Please, don't be alarmed. We're not going to harm anyone. We're mutants. We're not what you think. Across the planet, debate rages. Are mutants the next link in the evolutionary chain? They have been regarded with fear, suspicion, often hatred. There are forces in this world who believe that a war is coming. We're here to stay. The next move is yours. We'll be watching. Hang on to something. Welcome to Now Playing's X-Men Retrospective Series. Welcome to Mutant High. Part of the Now Playing Marvel Comic Movie Series. You talk pretty tough for a guy in a cape. Hosted by Jacob. I didn't ask to be super, and I'm no hero. Stuart. Come on. You don't leave me all alone here with less angry Rosie O'Donnell? And Arnie. You look like an avocado had sex with an older avocado. Join us at NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a new movie review. Who will you stand with, the humans or us? These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. Time to make the chimmy fucking chongas. Today we're discussing Deadpool, starring God's Perfect Idiot, a hot chick, a British villain, a CGI character, a moody teen, and directed by an overpaid tool. This is the now playing co-host who has a pair of nice smooth criminals down under, Arnie. Stuart in LA. And this is the host that never finds himself saying, don't swallow, Jacob. <laughs> oh yeah, there's some humor here. I think I just want to state off the top. This is in our X-Men retrospective series. This is in Fox's X-Men universe. We saw the same X-Mansion we have seen in almost every X-Men film since Generation X. We have Colossus. We have references. We have Deadpool from Wolverine Origins. Remember that guy with the swords in his arms? Yes, we do. And the sewn shut mouth? Same guy, right? Not only do I remember it, but I went back to it after I watched this movie. Ooh. Not to watch the whole film. I don't think I could I could gag through that. But I did just want to see the scenes that had Ryan Reynolds because I couldn't match up my memory of that character and what I had just watched. Well, I just have to say, though, all those movies have been PG-13. But this one, if you're downloading it through iTunes, you may notice a little explicit warning. On this, because this is a hard R film that's going to have discussion about a lot of perverse bodily fluids. Uh, let's not oversell it. It's dick jokes aplenty. Yeah, but hey, any movie that has fisting and pegging jokes takes it <laughs> to the next step, and I'll high five it for that. But I just want to let people know who are coming in, you know, the, the younger crowd thinking we're going to be talking about fun things like, well, I guess all the X-Men have been pretty angsty, but Wolverine... I mean, we've got Colossus. People love Colossus. Yeah, a totally different Colossus, but Colossus. <laughs> and I just want to say, because this is R does not mean it's not for kids. This movie is super juvenile. I don't think the kids are going to have a problem with this at all. I think the parents are going to have a problem <laughs> yeah. with it. No, I, and, you know, there are a few characters that I would say, if they're not in an R-rated movie, you're just not doing it right. Punisher would be my number one. Like, Punisher film has to be violent enough to get an R rating for it to be just, just a Punisher film. And, yeah, Deadpool, I could see that, too. I haven't read a whole ton of Deadpool comics. I know he's always kind of wacky and crazy, but there was a Deadpool Max series that was pretty R or X-rated. I mean, he has a tendency to go that way if you want to take him there. I have... 
come late to the Deadpool game, to be honest. I It's hard to miss him now. It's like every other Marvel book is a Deadpool one. It is. He is a huge marketing push. There's tons of merchandise out there for him, which is weird for any character that Fox has the licensing rights to. But he's kind of become this cult phenomenon that in the past 10 years has exploded. A lot of that dancing Deadpool I've seen at like cons where they put together these videos and there's always like a dancing Deadpool one where he goes around and dances with different cosplayers. Oh, and Deadpool is the costume because I've seen like Pizza Hut delivery drivers cosplay as Deadpool delivering Pizza Hut because you just put a (laughs) Deadpool mask over your work outfit and now you go to a con. It's just a huge character. I did end up reading some of his books and... Did you go back and read the early stuff? I did indeed. I read the original series that had him battling Wolverine and some stuff in there. I didn't go back to the New Mutants comics when he was originally created because he was redefined later on. Yeah, he he really has gone through an evolution where he started as like a villain He was a DC joke. His name, Wade Wilson, when Rob Liefeld designed Deadpool, the writer of of the X-Book that they were going to use him for, he's like, oh, that looks like Deathstroke from DC. And Deathstroke's name is Slade Wilson. So he's like, I'll call him Wade Wilson as a joke. But yeah, like years later, he's really evolved into something very different than what he started. This wisecracking, insane, breaking the fourth wall kind of anti-hero. You know, I've never read a Deadpool comic and probably never will, but my personal take seems to be one that I think a lot of people think, and that is he's a more extreme, maybe Gen X version of Spider-Man. For those that don't find Peter Parker wisecracking and fourth wall breaking enough, we have one that's even more violent, one with a sword. Spider-Man was definitely the inspiration for his look. I mean, yes, Deathstroke was part of it, but Rob Liefeld said that he came in and just wanted to draw Spider-Man with guns instead of web swing. And pouches. That's what it feels like with an even more irreverent attitude towards plot, being a hero, doing anything a superhero might be expected to do. And that came with the evolution Jacob was talking about. Initially, he was a bad guy. He became this anti-hero. He is a character who is legitimately insane. He's not just wacky. He's literally crazy, but he's so crazy that he knows he's in a comic book, whereas other people don't. So that allowed him to get a little meta with what was going on and hop pages and panels and just talk directly to the reader. But everybody can hear it. And so they just think he's even crazier than he is. It's kind of a fun concept. If you're going to have someone that breaks the fourth wall work with characters that don't do that as much, I like the idea that they would just write it off as voices in his head. Now, the funny thing, there is a Howard the Duck connection here, as I was just reading up on the background of Deadpool. (laughs) That other voice that he hears is a Howard the Duck villain called Dr. Bong, apparently. I don't know if that's still in canon, (laughs) but it was in the voice of a Howard the Duck villain. So we have a connection here. I I can see a connection. I mean, honestly, there's an irreverence to the material that you know, Howard shares. And I agree. I've seen a lot of merchandise, people wearing t-shirts and all of that. It kind of came out of nowhere. But how many people consider this guy a hero and how many people just consider him like Alfred E. Newman of Mad Magazine? I read when they rebooted his series a few years ago, I I remember is him taking on the zombie presidents. So he's doing heroic things. But yeah, this isn't a Wolverine. This isn't a, a a Spider-Man. This is, again, that irreverent side of the Marvel universe. Just, you think of Punisher, like, what 
place does Punisher really have in the Marvel Universe? He walks around with a gun and just shoots people. Like, I kind of put Deadpool in that same category. He is this odd character that has somehow survived this superhero world. And I actually really liked that run. I read it also. It was written by Brian Posehn, who we've discussed because yes. <laughs> he was in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. So he's a cult figure, you yes. know? The best thing I can equate him to is he is to Marvel what Harley Quinn is to DC. Which we'll be getting to later this year. Yeah. With Suicide Squad, yeah. Yeah, I think what we're finding is that they've worked through all the classic characters, and now it's time to see <laughs> if they can make cult figures like Guardians of the Galaxy and this guy fly as well. Getting to fringe characters. We all said that with Iron Man. Iron Man was a fringe character until Robert Downey Jr. walked on screen. Yeah, I would never call him as fringe as some of these. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I know this Deadpool. I read some article that this has been in some kind of development for like the last 16 years. I really do feel like Guardians might have really got this the push it needed <laughs> to get made. Well, and actually, this has had a long, strange, winding road. You may know the background of the comics, Jacob, much more than I do. But man, how this came to be on screen is a story I've been following since Blade Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a Blade joke in this movie. I, I was surprised it wasn't a Blade Trinity one. I was actually really surprised about that myself. But back in 2004, when... Ryan Reynolds was hired to play Hannibal King on Blade Trinity. One of the execs there said, you know, you are basically playing Deadpool. And Ryan Reynolds is like, I don't know who that is. And so the exec, I can, I wish I could remember his name, gave Ryan Reynolds a stack of Deadpool comics and said, go home, read this, because we should make this movie with you. So it has been 12 years of the idea of having Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. No one else has been considered for this role. It was Ryan or nothing. Well, that changed around the time of X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would change it. But then again, it wasn't Ryan's fault. They sewed up his mouth and gave him five minutes at the end on top of a nuclear power plant. What can he do with that? They'd been talking with him for a while about doing the Deadpool movie, and then they decided they were going to bring Deadpool to the screen in X-Men Origins Wolverine before giving him his solo film. And so they got in touch with the erstwhile Van Wilder and said, okay, the time has come for you to play Deadpool. This was 2009. They've been talking about it for five years. And he gets that script and he went, uh, he's recently said he went to Fox and was like, this isn't Deadpool. I've been reading Deadpool, prepping for Deadpool. I know what Deadpool is. You've got him shooting lasers out of his mouth. It got weird swords out of his hands. The fans aren't going to like this. And the response was, well... Then we can find another actor to play Deadpool and get the solo film. <laughs> so that is what happened there. And after Origins Wolverine, Ryan Reynolds was really big on, we're going to make this happen. We're going to write this wrong. And he'd been working with director Tim Miller, working on scripts and treatments and pitching them to Fox and all of that and wanting to make it happen. But the execs at Fox were like, we don't get it. But it was still in discussion until 2011 when Green Lantern, Green Lantern. happened. <laughs> <laughs> was it that long ago? It feels like only yesterday we were talking about how he was going to be Jon Stewart or Hal Jordan or whoever the hell he was supposed to be for the next <laughs> five films. 
We can agree that project is dead, right? Green Lantern, never again. He's not going to get a cameo in Batman v Superman along with everyone else. Remember, Green Lantern was supposed to launch the DC Universe films. (laughs) Sure. It was going to be Green Lantern that would lead to everything. And then they're like, well, that didn't work. Let's try again with Man of Steel. And now they've already announced on their slate Green Lantern core will be having a movie with multiple Green Lanterns, none of whom I'm sure will be Ryan Reynolds as he's poking fun at this. But Green Lantern, that hurt him. That hurt him bad. It hurt everyone, Arnie. It hurt everyone but you. (laughs) It hurt us having to watch it (laughs) and then talk about it for so long. Yeah. Are you ready to admit that maybe, just maybe, you should have given that a red arrow? Listen, I'm not saying it's a great film, but I've watched it a few times. I think it has its fun. I think that, you know... It gets harder now that I know that they're never picking up on any of the stuff they set up (laughs) to ever defend watching it again, whereas I felt like it was fine as a start of a universe thing. I put it on round on par with the first Amazing Spider-Man, you know, overly complex, setting up a universe, not very fulfilling in and of itself, but not terrible. And but what it did do, in addition to putting a real kibosh on Ryan Reynolds' career, it was the one punch, and R.I.P.D. was the two punch. Ooh, yeah, I haven't even bothered watching that one yet, but I've never heard a good thing about it. I watched it. Don't. <laughs> Just don't. Wow, that means something. I mean, yeah. I'm talking Jonah Hex bad. Oof, okay. I believe you. But not only that, but obliquely in recent interviews, Scarlett Johansson has indicated Green Lantern ended her marriage to Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Oh, do tell. I want to hear how that worked out. They must have a real strong Marvel-DC rivalry in that marriage, or at least they did. She has just stated that it is very hard to be married to someone when one spouse's star is on the rise and the other is on the decline, and there's a lot of jealousy, and that is why she's now married to a multi-billionaire financer and not another Hollywood actor. Ah, yeah. And he married his co-star from Green Lantern. Yeah, the one good thing to come out of it is he is now married to Blake Lively. And her career will always be worse than his. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come back in. I mean, we have a uh, resurrection story we're going to be talking about today. But it seems like Green Lantern killed his career and his marriage. (laughs) That's so sad. That is sad. I wouldn't wish that upon him, even if I didn't enjoy Green Lantern. And even if I haven't ever liked Ryan Reynolds in anything... I don't want to personally destroy the man. I mean, it, it wasn't that bad. That's my compliment I can give him. I want to see a redemption. Are you sure that Scarlett Johansson didn't listen to our Green Lantern review and be like, that Stuart's right, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I got Avengers comic. I mean, you got to think that it's got to hurt that Ryan Reynolds fails at Green Lantern. And one year later, Scarlett Johansson's in the billion dollar Avengers. It can't be good. <laughs> Even the Lars Morissette wasn't returning his phone call. <laughs> oh. So yeah, this really hit the skids and Ryan Reynolds really, I got to give this man some serious props because he kept trying with Deadpool. He and Tim Miller, Tim Miller has said in interviews that like at least once a month, sometimes twice, he'd be emailing Fox like, what will it take? If we give it the PG-13 rating, will that push it over the edge? We, If we cut the budget down to $40 million, will that be enough? What do we need to do to make this happen? And the Fox suits just did not get it. Fantastic Four reboot. They got that, but not Deadpool. Okay. 
And they did start selling off some of their characters. They had to be thinking this might be one to get rid of. I mean, if they got rid of Daredevil, I mean, this is almost another red suit superhero that we don't get. Why not? Understand, sell-off means revert rights. They didn't get money for Daredevil. It was a matter of, we either have to spend the money to make this movie, or we just lose it. And so it was better to lose it. Ah. So you make Deadpool, and if it bombs, you sell it, or you let it revert. Well, is he in the collective of X-Men? Yeah, he's in the X-Men universe. As long as they make an X-Men movie every few years, they get the entire X-Family. Anyone who originated in an X-Men comic like this is fair game. Apparently, the contract has a list of characters who are X-Men characters, and Deadpool's on it. Ooh, that's got to be a long list. It is, and it's contentious, as we discussed, with yes. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and all that. I mean, if we got Angel Dust on there, they're, they're going deep. Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I love Negasonic Teenage Warhead. So they didn't have to make a Deadpool movie to keep the Deadpool character because first class, all of that keeps them Deadpool. But I had given up on both Ryan Reynolds and (laughs) Deadpool ever happening on screen. The world had moved a different direction with comic book films, I felt, but... Rewind to, I think it was 2014, possibly summer 2013, I was coming home from San Diego Comic-Con in an airport, and I get a text, footage from Deadpool has leaked. They did a test scene to prove to Fox what this movie could be. And I'm like, well, I really want to see that. And it was leaked footage. I downloaded it. It's in this movie. It's Deadpool sitting on a bridge. He was listening to Hollaback Girl instead of Shoop. But then he jumps into a car, beats people up while talking shit to them. The car flips over. Everything we see in that first bridge fight was this footage with this reverency. And I don't think you guys can understand. I had tears streaming down my face (laughs) in that airport because I was so brokenhearted that this movie could have existed and never would. So is it the same footage or did they reshoot it all for the movie? They reshot it all. They replaced the song. They upped the special effects because a lot of the Deadpool stuff is CGI with the eyes moving and whatnot. I love the moving eyes. I saw the footage as well. I also feel there was a joke with the crayon drawing that got cut. No, that's here. He held up the drawing to let them know he was going to kill them. Yeah. I don't think he held it up in the car. No, he did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was more like... uh, uh, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do to you before I do it to you. And here it, it comes around. Oh, okay. they've, they've reconfigured it a little. But yes, it's more or less the same scene. It's the opening credits, quite frankly. I was so sad that this would never happen. And I downloaded the uh, Tim Miller finally got approval that if it's going to be out there anyway, it's gone viral. Let's at least release it high quality. I, I, I got a feeling that Ryan Reynolds maybe leaked that because, again, I've said it. I don't have TV. I don't know about movies and trailers unless I go and search for them. I feel like Ryan Reynolds was so behind this project, like all over social media, he was pushing stuff to get the name out there and to get this film out there. It was something I saw a lot of. And usually that doesn't happen unless I seek it. Yeah, it could have been him. Tim Miller just recently said in an interview, like the worst day of his life is when he was being called on the carpet by Fox and he was just (laughs) like, I didn't do it. (laughs) But everybody thought he did it. Somebody really tight in there did it. But it worked. Somehow out of that, enough people felt like I did. And there was a change in the head of Fox Studios who was doing this. The person who was approving the movies moved on to Sony. There was new leadership at Fox. 
This thing got a green light at a $58 million budget, or as Ryan Reynolds put it, the catering budget from X-Men Origins Wolverine. But hey, it's I mean, it's paid off. We're recording kind of late this time, so we actually know the opening weekend box office, and I'm shocked. What was it, $130 million? When all said and done, including the Monday, they're saying 150. And wow. when you add international, 300. It's inconceivable how big this hit is. That, I mean, that, that's more than Ant-Man did its entire run, right? Yes, it is. And Ant-Man was the modest Marvel Studios film at a $160 million budget. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of reasons to be confused about that. Whether you <laughs> yes. love the character or not, the idea that this is R-rated automatically would exclude a big part of your audience. There were petitions, parents saying, we want a PG-13 rated version to take our kids to, which is dumb. Like, let let the studio release what they want. But like, yeah, there were people mad that this was R-rated because their kids couldn't see it. Welcome to the internet. Everybody thinks that they should have it. You know, when I was a kid, I had to wait till I was 15 to see triple X porn. I think kids today can wait for it, too. <laughs> I don't think they were waiting, judging by my audiences. The, the parents showed up. They, they digressed and realized that how bad could it be? We'll take the kids and hopefully the bad jokes fly over their heads. And I think they did. And I was really stunned. I mean, Stuart, you and I hung out over the holidays and I told you the movie was tracking for 80 million <laughs> and you looked at me like I just said shit tastes good <laughs> look Stuart should not run a studio Stuart never knows what anything is worth Stuart said the same thing more or less about Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> I guess I just never get when something's going to be a phenomenon when it's silly humor, I always think, wow, that's not going to work for people. People are going to think that this is too silly. And it turns out that's exactly what people were craving for. It seems like an R-rated, don't give a fuck comic book hero is exactly the void that hasn't been filled in all of Marvel's <laughs> attempts at dominating the, the genre. That here's one thing that Fox is willing to do that parent company Disney might never actually risk. And I, I don't think Disney ever will, but but I'm shocked too, Stuart. Like I thought, okay, maybe forty million. I, I'm not thinking breaking a hundred million, hundred and fifty million. That's crazy. Forty million is a great opening weekend, yes. by the way. A great opening weekend. Yes, no, that's what I thought it would do. A hundred and fifty is just insane. If it makes its budget back the first weekend, that's a hit. And at a, at such a low cost, yeah, fifty million would have been amazing. What it did, yes, like you said, it's a phenomenon. And I think, man, this has had one of the most inventive advertising campaigns I've seen in a long, long time, though. I mean, first of all, the product tie-ins. Because of Marvelicious Toys, I'm well aware of all the tie-ins. Were there Happy Meals for this? Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Alcoholic <good> <laughs> beverages with Deadpool on them are in the store, and I bought all eight cans, and that stuff tastes like well, that makes oh my sense, God. though, because it's like syrupy candy drink. It's kind of Deadpool <laughs> all over. It's alcoholic, and yet it's also, you know, for kids. Like, Oh, my God. It tastes like Robitussin. That's the, the first thing you're going to take when you're stealing alcohol from your parents' fridge. Justin told me, if you're old enough to buy Mark's Hard Lemonade, you're too old to buy Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> hey, you're damaging any potential sponsorship we could be getting from them. I noticed it because of that tie-in. It was very prominent behind 
Lemonade weasel on the bar. No self-respecting Merc bar would have that much Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> but there was that. He took over certain shows like The Golden Girls and Tosh.0, where the only commercials were Deadpool and talking to the audience. It was the same stuff What no matter what show you watched, but he was doing that. The 12 Days of Christmas were the 12 Days of Deadpool, including a 45-minute pool log you know how they have the yule log videos you can play it was a flaming bag of poo that ran for 45 minutes that could be an apt metaphor if you have a certain feelings towards this film you saw all these things i didn't know anything about this i I missed all of this the only thing that i saw that got passed around in my circle of social media friends was someone had a poster for deadpool in which they falsely made it look like a romantic comedy so that it would get women to go see it on valentine's day and i thought that was kind of funny that's official fox marketing (laughs) that was not a viral thing that was fox putting it out there and fox also also put a billboard in LA that had three emojis, a skull, a pile of poo, and an L. I mean, this is coming out of Fox. And it's like, wow. And Ryan Reynolds himself, he admits, he's like, I worked too hard on this film. He stole one of those suits. He started making his own viral videos. Like at Halloween, he just went out and started harassing kids on the street and released it online. Okay, I mean, I'm not sure I can endorse that, but uh, maybe it's funny. I, I don't know, but... Uh... It's actually not as funny as I wish it was, because he's too kind to the kids. But the fact that he was putting so much into this kind of marketing... When I went into this movie, I could tell you the basic plot, but all the scenes I'd seen in all the trailers comprised perhaps the first 10 minutes of the film and a couple brief glimpses later on of Colossus. But... I knew nothing of this film going in other than if the vibe of the film is the vibe of the advertising, they've got lightning in a bottle. And going in, the trailer didn't quite, I, I didn't, I didn't have that same feeling. No, I'll just put it that way. The jokes didn't quite hit me right. The action looked cool. It, it looked like they were grasping onto what Deadpool is all about, which, okay, I was open to it, but I, I know I wasn't excited as you. Oh, you don't understand. And this is really weird to say, but because I had such mixed conflicting emotions going into The Force Awakens, I can legitimately say I was more hyped for Deadpool than I was for Star Wars. Wow. I knew that this was the one that I had to go back to theaters for, and I didn't pay a single bit of attention to it until two days ago when I went to the matinee. I went and saw this in the same exact theater, the same exact screen where I saw Kingsman last year at the AMC Empire in Times Square. Did your seat shake? Yeah, the AMC Prime screen that had the butt kickers in the seats, you know, with the subwoofers and the great screen and the amazing audio and reserve seats. And I bought my tickets a month in advance and it was me and two other seats were taken. (laughs) And I remember seeing Kingsman where there were like only two other seats taken and one of them was right next to me and the guy didn't move. It was all very weird. (laughs) When I went to this one, I got there just a little late, still during the trailers, packed theater. Every seat was sold out at a 10 a.m. Friday showing. Wow. 
And I mean, this is New York. There's a shitload of screens where you could see this. And I was in a sold out show. I did not expect that. Yeah, I had a similar experience. It was 10 a.m. and it was pretty full. And yeah, I didn't know I was going to one of those theaters that it used to be the cheap theater. And I was like, oh, I'll just get a cheap ticket for this one. But no, they upgraded. And yeah, I thought my phone was just on vibrate, <laughs> bugging me for half the film. But then I realized, oh, no, it's every time there's a big explosion. This is part of the experience now. And I did treat this as a Valentine's Day romance. I mean, they say it in the movie, which I wish they would have called out like Ghost Rider. Was that Fox or is that Sony? I can't remember. That's Sony, I believe. Okay, because they, they do say this is a love story. So I took my wife to it for Valentine's Day. I'll, I'll let you know how it worked out at the end. <laughs> I also took my wife going. She was excited for it. We got a little tiny Deadpool. If you're Facebook friends with me or follow Marvelicious Toys or even now playing, you just cannot escape me taking pictures with tiny Deadpool everywhere. That sounds dirty. Yes, it does. And I'm using that to my very big advantage. You know, I just flew back from New York before this recording and we had a Five Guys burger at the airport. And of course, I posted tiny Deadpool likes Five Guys in his mouth. (laughs) You should write the sequel. I'm telling you, this is the jokes for 90 minutes. <laughs> Deadpool and I, I think we share a sense of humor. I'm dead serious. I mean, I literally thought I was watching Arnie as a superhero when I sat there. <laughs> <laughs> and you know me better than perhaps anyone other than Marjorie. So that that is true. It is not a persona. All right, Arnie, that means you get to do the plot. Is there one, or do you just want me to recite some of the jokes for about five minutes? (laughs) There's no plot. There's barely a plot here. (laughs) There's no plot in this movie. All right. Well, I'm going to take a cue from you, Stuart, in our Tarantino retrospective, because I do feel this is a very Tarantino-esque superhero film in its non-chronological storytelling. So I'm just going to rearrange it all into a chronological and very short narrative. As played by Ryan Reynolds, Wade Wilson is an ex-Special Forces agent turned mercenary with 47 confirmed kills. Eventually, he got tired of killing for hire and ended up taking only jobs pitting him against bad guys like pizza delivery men stalkers. And he even seems to be settling down in his personal life as he has entered a long-term relationship with Vanessa, played by Marina Baccarin, a former prostitute who's as sex-crazed and crazy as Wade. But their happiness is put at risk when Wade is diagnosed with late-stage cancer. Wanting to stay healthy for Vanessa, Wade agrees to take part in an experimental procedure that promises to make him a superhero. And these experiments are overseen by Ajax, an evil arms dealer played by Ed Skrine. From the transporter refueled. (laughs) (laughs) How did they get him? (laughs) That ruined it. Not a bad guy. Wasn't even a good good guy in transporter. (laughs) Ajax injects Wade with a formula that, when mixed with adrenaline, should activate any latent mutant genes in Wade's DNA. See, he's an X-Man. Eventually it happens, but it makes Wade have a complexion somewhat akin to Freddy Krueger. More, it turns out they aren't making superheroes, but also adding control chips that turn these people into super slaves for sale to the highest bidder. Wade breaks out and, under the belief Ajax can restore his former good looks, goes after the boss. But he's afraid to show himself to Vanessa, so he remains in hiding, allowing her to think he's dead. Instead, he takes on the moniker Deadpool, inspired by his mercenary bar's wagers placed on which Merc would die next. And between kill sprees and searching for Ajax, he 
He hangs out with bartender pal Weasel, played by comedian T.J. Miller, and blind elderly roommate Al, played by Leslie Uggams. Eventually, Wade tracks down Ajax, but interference from X-Man Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, a teenage mutant on the X-Men team. The X-Men allow Ajax to escape, and with his henchwoman Angel Dust, Ajax kidnaps Vanessa to try and stop Wade. The whole thing comes to the head at... I think it's an aircraft carrier that's owned by Ajax. <laughs> I was really hoping you could fill in on these details. Joined by Colossus and Negasonic, Deadpool comes to rescue his woman. A big fight happens and Vanessa is freed. And despite Colossus's Boy Scout goody-goody objections, Deadpool blows Ajax's brains out. Reunited, Vanessa agrees that Deadpool's face is one she'd be happy to sit on. And the two lovers rekindle their romance as credits roll to ejaculating unicorns and chicka This is not a plot-driven movie, folks. Let's just start here. This plot is a plot we've discussed so often, and they know it, so they're just going through it, right? This is the plot of X-Men Origins Wolverine, Spider-Man, how many others? This is a standard origin story, which, okay, so you know you're just going to do an origin story, so we're going to mix it up and make a few jokes. I feel like if this is a fourth wall-breaking character, actually do something different and, and comment on the conventions of an origin story. I, I do feel like this is a bit insincere to get around just doing a real standard story. Yeah, you can no more review this as a superhero movie than you can review Spaceballs as a sci-fi movie. I mean, it's a comedy, and that is always precarious to try and, and talk about because humor is subjective. And boy, this is more jokes than plot. I, I gotta say, you call it a standard superhero origin story. It's substandard, right? I mean, we barely understand why this guy became what he is. There's so much I don't understand. Maybe you guys can help me. What's so weird is I'm thinking, okay, Merc with a mouth. That's what Deadpool, you know, one of his way he's referenced by. And so I'm thinking, okay, this guy was in the military, just like we saw in that Wolverine Origins. But here he's, what, mugging a pizza guy because he's stalking a girl. It seems like a really weird mercenary job that he's doing. I guess he was maybe military. Yeah, it, it's not very clear what's going on. Yeah, I did see this movie twice. It is in there that he was a hardcore special ops mercenary, but we see he's like turned a corner and weaseled the bartender, calls him the patron saint of the pitiful. But he goes, I'm no hero. I'm just a bad guy who gets paid to fuck up worse guys. So that's what he's kind of going for there. It's a hedging of the bets. We're not going to have him be a bad, bad guy. He's going to be just a bad motherfucker who's going to screw up people who are even worse. He's a punisher of sorts. Well, come on. He's going after the pizza boy. And yet I feel like he's doing something that he would have done in like waiting or something like that. And like attacking a pizza guy feels beneath any mercenary. On their worst day, they wouldn't take <laughs> this gig. But he didn't get paid for it. He let the money go back to the girl. And that's what's so weird. Like, why hedge your bets with this? Like, why not let this be a sleazy character that takes money from a teenage girl to get rid of her stalker. Like, I, I do feel like they want this to be sweet, but also full of dick jokes. Like, they want it both ways. 
Yeah, I feel like the attempt to make a Valentine's Day movie is more sincere than they might want you to believe. Yeah. They know Ryan Reynolds appeals to women. I mean, they make make jokes about the fact that he was people's sexiest man, but they also know that that's a big selling point and that they, you know, have so much of his face either disfigured or behind, you know, a mask. They have to do something in scenes that he's not doing that where he is charming to women. So yeah, they contrive this kind of silly, I'll help you with your stalker situation. And that's what's so weird when he gets disfigured. I, I never got this like vanity thing. Like, oh, I got to, you know, yes, he, he look, he's got a good body. I like his abs in this film. Give those a green arrow. But like, I never got this feeling that he was so vain that he would be ashamed of his face like later on when he gets disfigured. It, it, there, there was some character work that sh- I think should have been established, even if you're just doing a, a funny dick joke filled superhero film. I kind of agree. I think that there's a lot of character leaps here. There's a lot of plot leaps. There's a lot that is it on the cutting room floor or was it just so inconsequential they decided let's just roll out to use Stuart's old transformer term? <laughs> I have heard that there's a lot of a lot more dick jokes, at least, that were left out in the cutting room floor. <laughs> I don't think there's more plot here. I feel like it was made like Napoleon Dynamite or Wayne's World or something where it's just like we're doing skits. This will be funny. That'll be funny. And we'll do enough of them until it hits 90 minutes. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing if this is a comedy. that That's – we've said that at the beginning. So, yeah, that there's these plot holes. Yes, it's, there's different rules, but this is how we do it on Now Playing. And these are things I'm noticing. Like, I would have liked more characterization when he was just Wade Wilson than when he becomes Deadpool. Here's the thing, though, that we've skipped. We're talking about his origin. That doesn't even begin for the first 15 minutes of the film. When this movie actually starts, I love the opening credits – where, I mean, people who may not have seen this movie are like, why did Arnie fuck with the opening of Now Playing? Now Playing has a set opening. You say the star's names, asshole. But <laughs> here's, what, here's what's so funny. Like, during these opening credits, my wife turns to me and she's like, why are people laughing? Because she is so, like, just, I don't read the credits. I don't care about them. I'm like, have you been looking at the credits? She's like, no, I'm just waiting for the movie to start. <laughs> I'm like, because like, they're not saying people's names. They're just saying the types that they are. She's like, oh. And then she started reading the credits and found it very funny. It took me a while to realize it myself. I mean, I just, because I knew who was in the movie. You do. Your eyes are paying more attention to, yeah, is that a cigarette lighter floating in midair? Is that guy <laughs> giving him a wedgie? I mean, there's enough going on in this sort of freeze frame this didn't get a 3d release it did not i was shocked i actually asked where my 3d glasses were yeah because this opening scene seems set up for 3d yeah it's got a bullet time quality to it it's a slow motion scene of the van flipping a a basic recreation of the test footage and yeah that's going to catch your eye because there's just a lot of stuff floating around hello kitty people magazine a guy getting teabagged by deadpool yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of jokes like, oh, ha, ha, Green Lantern card, you know. I'm sorry, you're not going to get off the hook just because you joke about it. That movie sucks. And our Liefeld uh, coffee cup was floating. Did you catch that, Jacob? Yeah, they made a few Liefeld. Liefeld has a cameo in here, the artist who created Deadpool. Yeah, so I, and of course, it's all done to Angel of the Morning. So I was just, it starts there, and we get, like, Deadpool in the taxi cab talking to some poor cab driver who a is never going to get paid and b is never going to get the girl he gets paid in high fives come on <laughs> that didn't work for me when i was in manhattan this weekend by the way did you try it <laughs> 
you got to put it on a Deadpool costume first. <laughs> and we start with this whole bridge fight. We don't necessarily know why the fight's happening. I knew it was the test footage or the trailer going on, and I knew it was Deadpool. But we don't get Wade Wilson until 15 minutes in. We start with 15 minutes of him joking in the backseat of a cab and joking with the cab driver about his woman and about how life tastes like Mama June after a hot yoga workout. I mean, things like that. And I don't see this as just a comedy, though. This movie is also just there to give you a kick-ass vibe with its throwback 90 soundtrack that's there to appeal to perhaps my exact demographic. (laughs) Yeah, Junkie XL, I I know who this guy is. I felt like the Deadpool theme, he has sort of like a theme song that kicks in whenever he goes into action. It's almost a note-for-note recreation of New Order's Blue Monday. (laughs) You know what I got out of it? Was Beat It. You know, it had like the bells that opened Beat It going on. The bong, bong, bong. I was like, wow, it's really Michael Jackson going here. Yeah, I, I was looking for something more bombastic, I guess, with Junkie XL, who did Mad Max Fury Road, worked with Hans Zimmer with The Dark Knight Rises. I, I think he's teaming up with Zimmer again for Batman v Superman. And he, he known for, I, at least from those things, much louder orchestral things. But yeah, here it seems toned down, which I guess is appropriate for Deadpool. But I'm focused on the salt and pepper and the DMX and that kind of music. And when the fights happen, yes, is Deadpool cracking wise? Absolutely. But during this bridge fight, when he forgot his ammo bag in the taxi cab there, and he only has 12 bullets and they're counting down, that has an element of humor, but it's also just fun, raucous, gory, kick-ass action. So it's there to adrenalize and amuse. No, I I agree with you there, Arnie. I like this whole countdown. The shells are dispensed and you see the number as you're counting down. And, you know, I I like the action here for for the minuscule budget relatively, you know, to a a normal superhero film. They really got stretched their dollar here and it looks good. Yeah, it probably helps that they have a visual effects guy making his directorial debut here. I feel like these are the things he's caring about. The thing I'm caring about... What is going on? Who is he attacking? (laughs) Who is Francis? Do we even understand the fact that this started with a meeting between some bearded dude who got out of a helicopter and these caravan of mutants who, like, lift him up Darth Vader style? Does anything about that matter? Is that a setup for a future sequel or something? (laughs) That's really funny you said that, Stuart. A little behind-the-scenes info. We usually send out notes to each other before we have our conversations, and we know a basic outline. And I, because I was in New York, I never hit send. But I was typing up my notes after my first watching, and I actually have in my scene, meets with mobsters. What does this matter to anything? What is this here for? But I got it on the second viewing. Okay. It's it still doesn't fucking matter. I don't even remember the scene you're talking about. That's that's how little it matters. There's literally no point to it. All that you would remember about it is Ajax picks the guy up Darth Vader style and and threatens him and then gets in a caravan and Okay, I yeah, I vaguely remember that. It's a reason why they're on the road at this time. That's it. This is setting up Ajax's plight. It's it's setting it up poorly. I I want to say during those funny opening credits, it said 
written by the real heroes of this film. <laughs> no, yeah. guys, you know, I'm going to credit this film with a lot of positives. And on Now Playing, we have a tendency to focus on the writing, the plotting, and the story, which is not always just in the writer's hands. But here, mm -mm, true hero here is Ryan Reynolds and Tim Miller. The writers, the two writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, not the heroes. This whole scene, he is an arms dealer, right, Ajax? And he is there delivering weapons. And the guy's like, where's the next shipment? And Ajax says, we're having supply problems. And the guy says, that's unacceptable. Ajax picks him up in the air. All this means nothing on your first watching, but on a second watching, because this is all non-chronological, again, I'm going to say Tarantino-esque, what's happening is Deadpool has been hunting down Ajax's people. He killed the recruiter. He's already killed so many people. The recruiter who brings in new subjects for this Never called Weapon X program. Yeah, they, they will not call it Weapon X. It's all coming apart. And what Ajax does is creates super slaves who he sells to evildoers around the world. He has no more super slaves to sell. He is selling his last slave in this scene. And so when the guy says, we need more super soldiers and... Ajax doesn't have them. This is showing that Deadpool is having a negative impact on Ajax's business. And what's so weird is when they do that little montage, you know, the, the typical bulletin board with all the faces and the string connecting everything. And he's Deadpool's going out after different people. All I took from that is, oh, here's the evolution of his outfit. Because, yeah, that seems so trite and didn't matter as he's hunting down Francis. He could have just magically found Francis. And I, I wouldn't have accepted it as much as I do with the explanation that they give here. Because it's a rote storytelling device, I'm used to a hero or villain working their way up the chain to get to their target. And that's what I took it as. This Ajax scene picking the guy up, it introduces that he is super strong. He hangs out with Angel Dust. They never call her Angel Dust, though, do they? No, they just call her Angel, which confused me. This is the third Angel in the X-Men <laughs> franchise. Yeah. We had the one with the wings the, the from part three. We had the one with the tattoos from first class. And now we've got this big bosomed strong woman. Gina Carano. I saw her in Haywire, a kind of forgotten Steven Soderbergh movie in which he... I guess it was his ode to, like, 80s action movie crap. She hasn't gotten any better as an actress, but she has gotten less <laughs> lines, so that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, I saw her. I'm like, okay, this is an MMA fighter. Just And, yeah, she has that Fast and Furious 6 credit. Yeah, I couldn't remember her from Fast and Furious, but when I walked out of that movie, I'm like, is she MMA? And did she speak at all? <laughs> she does have a couple <laughs> lines, but not many. She's there to pretty much just look tough and be made fun of by Ryan Reynolds. I like the moment with Colossus that she has when her boob pops out. I, yeah, she is good in that. And I, I like her superhero <laughs> landing. Oh, really? She's good when her boob pops out. In, in my defense, there is no nudity in that scene. Yeah. It is implied nudity. There was no nudity shown. No, but it may be not the strongest compliment to give someone of their performance. Look, that's the strongest she's going to get. Yeah, yes. no, she's not good. And I would say in general, we can agree, the villains are very weak. 
in this movie. Like, like I said, Ed Screen, Transporter Refueled, phew, not a good thing. Like, when I realized he was the villain, like, Ajax, which, now, they don't do Weapon X here, like you called out, Arnie, but Ajax in the comics, he did have a thing called the Workshop, where they would create, like, these human weapons, so uh, they, they've taken stuff here and there, they've changed Deadpool's origin around a little bit, but his origin's really hard to tie down anyway, if you go by the comics. But yeah, Ed Screen, I just... Not a tough guy. I, I didn't buy him in Transporter, and I'm not buying him now. Like, ugh. You need someone that's going to have maybe not as much personality as Ryan Reynolds. There's no way the screen could hold that much personality. But you need somebody that's going to maybe be bringing the danger. Because Ryan Reynolds is so frivolous, you need someone to give weight to the consequences. And that's not happening with Ajax or Angel Dust. I'm waiting for the Darth Vader or the Emperor reveal. Like, Ajax, he doesn't feel like a Vader to the Emperor. He feels like a Stormtrooper to Vader or something. Like, I was waiting for the real bad guy to pop out. And no, it's Ajax in this film. Well, I knew this series was going to be, at best, loosely connected with the rest of the X franchise. I honestly expected there to be some reference. There's a couple references to Deadpool being in X-Men Origins Wolverine, we see an action figure, and I think that's actually just the Hasbro one I own. <laughs> they actually made that? Yeah, what, they had a ton of toys for X-Men Origins Wolverine before they knew what they were getting. And there was one line where Ajax jokes about sewing Ryan Reynolds' mouth shut, but I almost expected there to be some kind of reference to maybe Days of Future Past changing everything. I also, the opening credits said there was a gratuitous star cameo. I was waiting for Hugh Jackman. In real life, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds are buds. I figured if anyone could get Jackman to show up on set for a day, it would be Reynolds. Who was it? He does. He shows up. <laughs> a picture of him shows up. Yeah, I mean, a, a stapled on cutout from my People <laughs> magazine sexiest. Okay, yeah. I, it counts. I think you could still say Hugh Jackman has been in every X-Men movie except Generation <laughs> X. <laughs> yep, yep, every single one, huh? I, I guess Apocalypse will be the first one totally Wolverine-less. Was he in first class? He, fuck you. Oh, he had a cameo, that's right, yeah. <laughs> He's not in Apocalypse? No. He's got to be. Yeah, I don't believe that he wouldn't be in that. It might be another fuck-off cameo, because it's the 80s. Yeah, no, I'm not saying a big part, but they'll have him. God knows. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought there would be some ties to the Weapon X program. I thought they would make some tie because this is, basically, we're seeing X-Men Origins Wolverine here, right? He's being tied down and told this is going to hurt and being put through a bunch of torture to come out a super person. I'm surprised that they just didn't acknowledge more how derivative they were being of the movie that they're trying to distance themselves from. I wondered if they thought about having Stryker in here. I mean, that seemed to be like a character that could have crossed over that it must have been intentional. I mean, they definitely could get Danny Houston back, and God knows they've had several actors play him, so they could get anybody. They could get Ed Screen's dad to play the part, but <laughs> you would think that they would go with the man who made Wolverine also be the man that made Deadpool. That's what the sense is that I got from this that's how it is in the comic yeah that is that is the comic origin so why all this occurs with ajax and the super slaves and the mercenaries i was having so much fun in this movie i didn't notice it until i left the theater yeah no i'm having fun watching wade wilson in this relationship with vanessa which is weird because the name they use for vanessa is the name of a mutant copycat like that that's her 
code name. But she's not a mutant in this film. She's just a sexy prostitute, I guess. We don't know that. She kind of went into a chamber by the end of it. It could be a Gwyneth Paltrow... That's true, uh, yes. Iron Man 3 <laughs> situation. Uh, they could do whatever they want with her. But in this movie, she's just a lover that matches Wade in filthiness. That their mute cute is at the bar where, you know, they they one-up each other. I was molested by my uncle. Oh, I had several. And they locked me in a closet. Well, at least you had a home. I mean, that's the courtship. I laughed hard at that. Yeah, that actress, I saw her on V. I didn't realize it was the same one till Jacob pointed me in. No, she's got long hair in this one. <laughs> yeah, she also had a really a, a unflattering part in Homeland. I, I've seen her in a few things. She had a bit part on Spy. I, it, Fox uses her on a lot of different projects. And, you know, she's age appropriate for Ryan. And she does, you know, this is the first time I actually saw her kind of play human and sexy. Usually they just make her, <laughs> yeah. you know, she's sexy, but more in a alluring alien kind of unique way. And here she does feel like a, a girl in a strip bar. You know, I, I, I buy that. And I like that she keeps up with Ryan Reynolds, with Wade Wilson. The, these characters seem like a good match. Like the probably the funniest montage for me was the holidays sex scene. Oh, that's hysterical. They get to that moment where they're like, Happy Lent. And when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, they're bored in the relationship. They're just sitting there. That's so sad. <laughs> and then, and then the joke snapped and I got it. And like that, that was the one, like that got a big laugh out of me. Mostly chuckles, but that one got a big laugh. And I did like that montage. They seem like a nice couple. They, I hope it works out. I liked Women's Day. That ha I just never expected for Ryan Reynolds Pegging. to do that. <laughs> I just was like, Wow. I have not been shocked by a sex scene in a movie since defecation in Team America's unrated cut <laughs> until I saw Ryan Reynolds on Women's Day bent over. I feel like this is what he does. I, I'm surprised you would be shocked. I feel like this is a throwaway scene from Van Wilder. I mean, I haven't seen Van Wilder, but my impression of this actor... I've even seen The Return of Taj. ...is he's been oh, doing this his whole career. It's just not what I expect when I go into a movie theater, you know? Yeah, you don't get a lot of pegging jokes and, like, jerking off with stuffed unicorns. Is that a thing with Deadpool? That was something I wasn't familiar with. I know he's a pansexual. Like, he'll fuck anything. But does he have a special thing for unicorns? Not that I know of, but... Oh. Not sure if that's just for the film or if that's from the comics. Something I haven't ran across. No, and, and I've read quite a few Deadpool comics these days that I've not paid attention to a unicorn fetish. But yeah, this, in addition to being funny, though, those scenes were also freaking hot, you know? I really liked that Vanessa did keep up with him and wasn't like, oh, boys, you know how a lot of relationships are portrayed like that in movies? The fact that she was one-upping him, the fact that when he proposes to her, they're, like, about to ask each other the same question, and she's going to say, will you stick it in my... Yeah. And she's saying, will you marry me? I, I really found myself, I can't believe I'm saying this, invested in their relationship to the point that later in the film, I was in suspense that they were going to go the way of X-Men Origins Wolverine. I thought they might kill her, and I found myself worried about it. Huh. I don't know if I go that far, no. but I like the relationship. That It's something that on a story level that worked for me that, that I was invested in. I might not get Wade Wilson's backstory or why he's beating up pizza guys, but I like the relationship. That That's something that I grasped onto. 
You have to give him something to care about, because if he doesn't care about being your hero, and he doesn't really care about anything, then you dramatically can't give him a story. There's just nothing to do with him. So you had to make something that we would accept that's unsentimental enough that he could attach himself to. And yeah, I think they found something that works. I also think that a lot of this is, I found myself rolling my eyes at, I a lot of people were laughing. I can't say that I thought this was hilarious stuff, but I recognize that this just is not the kind of comedy I normally watch. So I was wondering when Ajax said, I'll sew your mouth shut. Were you wanting Ryan Reynolds' mouth sewn <laughs> shut? Because he is rat-a-tat delivery with these jokes. And I have a feeling a lot of it's ad lib, but I was wondering, I'm laughing. There's coming so fast that even when a joke doesn't work, it's followed up by two that do. But if this isn't your type of humor, were you preferring the X-Men Origins Wolverine Deadpool? Uh, no, I, I don't think I would ever prefer anything from that movie. <laughs> I, this is showing Ryan Reynolds at his best. I can now see that this is exactly what you turn this guy loose to do. He needs to be doing this. What I found myself wishing for was that he was in a movie where there was consequence. And that I I was paying attention to things like, oh, yeah, what's the bad guy doing? What's he going to fight? What do the X-Men want him to do? You must imagine how sad I was to see so much <laughs> of this not really matter. And so, yeah, that's what I would say to this, that what I'm struggling with is to grab onto something there besides Ryan Reynolds. There doesn't seem to be anything else in this movie but him. I'll give it this. This movie is short at about 105 minutes, and so much of it takes place cutting back and forth between him in that fight on the bridge and him in the origin story getting the cancer and everything. I agree with you, Stuart. You have to be invested. And Tim Miller, for a first-time director, not only is this movie very visually stunning, even the shots of Ryan Reynolds just walking down the street, I think, are just well-lit, visually interesting shots, let alone any of the effects work or things like that. But very quickly, that relationship is established through that sex montage, as well as a couple other scenes, that does give us his entire character's motivation. Everything he's going to do, he's going to do for her, and they make that believable. I do wish, like you said, they would have done similar stuff five minutes apiece with the bad guys to give us some level of stakes. I like that the stakes aren't the whole world is going to blow up again. No, you you got to go the Ant-Man route here. It, mm -hmm. it, maybe it's a sign of maturity or just being a grumpy old man. Like Blade 3, like I felt like Ryan Reynolds, as much as I disliked that movie, like, okay, I, I he's kind of enjoyable in that. And that Wolverine X-Men Origins, I'm like, oh, I want a Deadpool movie. I, I don't know if it's the writing here. Maybe I'm more mature. Maybe just more grumpy. Like some of the jokes work. I'm amused at least. I, I'm not folding my arms. I'm having a good time. But it, I wanted it to be more irreverent and... The fact that it actually plays it as safe as it does kind of surprised me. I, I thought it would be more out there. Brian's looking a little old. I mean, we're all getting old. I'm not knocking him. But I do feel like this is a young man character being played by a middle-aged man. And admittedly, a, a fit middle-aged man who, who does his best to stay young. But doesn't it feel a little weird to see someone so regressed? No. <laughs> but then again, he's two years younger than me, and I myself perhaps am a bit regressed. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like when he's in the costume, I don't feel that age. Yeah. When like Colossus and Negasonic finally show up, like, 
yeah, I feel like he's interacting with them appropriately. Maybe when he's Wade Wilson, he feels a bit, uh, again, maybe it's just the writing's not that well. I don't really know what to make of Wade Wilson, but Deadpool, I get. And there were some jokes very late in the film where Negasonic is asking him about early bird specials and things. And I I thought that was inappropriate humor. I'm like, he's not really that old. Oh, I thought it was just because she was a teenager and making fun of him. Right. That's what I took it as. But now Stewart's saying he's old too. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not seeing this. Let me put it this way. I did go back and watch that Origins and it's kind of a stark physical difference. He really doesn't look the same that he did. I guess that movie was what, about eight years ago. And nobody does. Well, in his defense, Wade has fourth stage cancer here. Maybe. Maybe you want to go that way. But I guess I just feel like he is still acting like he's the waiter in waiting or Van Wilder, the the college frat douche or whatever. And I'm like, dude, time is passing. I, I agree with you, Jacob. It's helpful when he puts on the mask because then I forget about it. But watching him in scenes where he's not wearing it, I feel like he's too old to be doing what he's doing. I'll say this. I'm a Ryan Reynolds fan. I've stated that on this podcast, much to derision. And it, it's sometimes hard to be a Ryan Reynolds fan. But when I'm watching a movie and it can be buried alive, it can be R.I.P.D., it could be Ted. I'm seeing Ryan Reynolds here. I lost him in the character. Maybe it's because he wore that mask so much of the time. And I felt like he was pitching his voice higher a little bit. So it didn't just sound like your standard Ryan Reynolds delivery. But he became Deadpool to me in this movie. I forgot I was seeing Ryan. No, I feel like that with multiple characters. I agree. Like, I, Deadpool feels like Deadpool. I love the animated eyes. Like, I don't know what it is about those animated eyes, but I love that they animated his mask like that. And when Colossus shows up, total CGI character. We've seen a brief glimpse of Colossus before. We saw him in X2 for about half a second. And three, and I believe he was even in Days of Future Past. Yeah, he was. I remember he and uh, Juno had a couple of scenes mm -hmm. together. All right. See, that that's how little I remember of him. But I like this. Col I do like when Colossus shows up like he is the typical X-Man, like he is the do-gooder. He is the superhero that they do play off that. I mean, then you have Negasonic Teenage Warhead, which that is a real X-Men character. She doesn't have the same powers as she does here. But that like the, the best thing is like when they reveal that name in the comic, Kitty Pride is like, wow, we've really ran out of names. <laughs> Didn't she have like one issue is what I read? Yeah, she she was introduced and killed in the same issue. But uh, according to Wikipedia, she may be back. You, you, you never stay dead in comic book universes. Now, they did approach Daniel Cudmore, who has played Colossus in all the other X-Men films to take this role. But he was upset because it was going to be a full CGI character and he'd never be seen. So he turned it down. They ended up doing this last minute. And you know what? The CGI, not believable, but so perfect for this live action cartoon of a movie. And this is really the Colossus I remember from reading in the 80s X-Men cartoons. You know, he was such a stalwart do-gooder. There were no shades of gray. There was right. There was wrong. He had a bit of a poetic heart. When he starts going, there are four or five moments that make a hero. <laughs> I'm like, that's Colossus. I never understood quite why he tried to recruit Wade into the X-Men, though. That seems a little 
you don't necessarily want this guy on your team. Well, for some reason, again, there's no writing here. For some reason, they're the only two X-Men that are ever around in the Deadpool universe. So they show up. I love that they just said it's the budget, you know? Yeah. So they show up because there's a whole thing going on on the freeway. So they show up, I guess, to save the day and stop Deadpool. I guess I'm in a minority here, but I really feel like these guys are as much fun as Sam Jackson was in Iron Man 2. Like, they're the wet blankets that keep wanting to restrain Ryan Reynolds and drag him to be a normal superhero. And I guess I just don't feel like they're good straight men. I don't feel like I get a lot of laughs out of these guys. You guys like them? I wish, like I wish with every non-Deadpool character on screen, I (laughs) wish there was more to them. Yeah. I like that Colossus is there to play a straight man, but really, when I look at this film as a whole and arranged it chronologically in my brain, they simply exist to add literally some punch to the final battle. Oh yeah, there there is not much story to this. I was shocked. There's basically two main set pieces here and then some flashback stuff. Like there is not a whole lot to this film. And that's a problem. Can we say that? I know that you guys are loving the fun, but imagine if you didn't love the fun as much as you're loving the fun, you would see that this is a huge problem with this movie. No, I, I, I enjoyed this. I'm not saying loving. Arnie can say loving. I enjoyed it. I chuckled, but I'm noticing it as I'm watching it. Like when we get to the final set piece, I'm like, wow, this is over already like that's it like i've seen the whole freeway thing basically in trailers like you only have one other big explosive set piece for me there was a lot on that bridge we'd never seen before since i saw every trailer yeah but they focused on it so much i felt like i'd seen it all well half this movie takes place there because there's all the flashbacks (laughs) yeah I mean, it really is about the 45 minute mark where we get off the bridge and start going, you know, all caught up on flashbacks. It's a storytelling device that I'm glad they use so that we start with some action and we punctuate with some action in ways that make sense. I have called out in movies how it's bullshit to insert something like a clone trooper battle on Kashyyyk just because we don't want a half an hour to go without anything blowing up. Here, by going non-chronological and having this bridge fight happen in stages, it satiates my thirst for action while making it all integral to the story. And I would phrase it as it's disguising the fact that there's nothing else in the bag but Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, they forgot the bag just like Deadpool forgets his ammo bag every time in this film. Like, let's talk about Blind Al. Like, is that done in a flashback? I don't remember how Blind Al is even introduced into this film. That happens during his costume montage. Okay. Because remember, he has that line, and I laughed the first time I heard it about Napoleon, uh, uh, why he wears the red suit. Oh, see, that line never worked for me. And that was the first joke I saw in the first trailer. And I'm like, ugh. What's the line? No, my father told me that joke when I was four. My father said that uh, Napoleon was on the battlefield. And one of his lieutenants said, sir, why are you wearing your red outfit? And Napoleon said, it's so my troops cannot see if I'm bleeding and I can lead this combat. And then somebody else comes and goes, oh, the army's four times as big as we expected. And Napoleon says, bring my brown pants. My father told me that joke when I was in preschool, and I found it funny then. I missed that one. (laughs) But it turns out that's the whole point, is Deadpool started with a white outfit, and he's in the laundromat trying to get out the bloodstains, and that's where we're introduced to Blind Al, who says, seltzer water and lemon juice, or just wear red. 
I didn't even think that it was a joke. I thought that was literally like, oh, I do need to not, I don't die. You know, that that's established in that opening fight is that he can have. Yeah, he has a very fast healing factor. Holes blown in him. He can bleed out and, and like Wolverine, it's a more gory regeneration, but you can cut off his arm. You can do things to him and he bounces right back. So yeah, I took him at his word. He wears red because he knows he's going to bleed a lot. And so why look weak? But Jacob, you jumped to a point I was thinking. Two characters who I feel get a short shrift as well are Weasel, played by T.J. Miller, and especially Blind Al, who these characters, they're only here because for the middle of the movie, Deadpool won't show his face, quite literally, to Vanessa. He'll stalk her a little bit, he's fighting for her, but he needs someone to talk to and joke with because Deadpool just sitting alone quietly or even breaking the fourth wall isn't enough he needs people to banter with and so we bring in weasel and blind al both characters from the comics in some form or another just so he has somebody else to spar with verbally yeah and they're written very similar to him i mean i feel like jj miller is always playing this character and that you know it's a version of a ryan reynolds character it's sarcastic you know matches in mouth i i feel like there's very little variance to these characters that yeah basically you have a bartender who's betting that his friend is going to die and you have a roommate who's always trying to put together cheap Ikea furniture, and it's failing. Yeah, if you enjoyed them arguing about Ikea furniture and actually using the names, I mean, it's going to work for you. I, I don't know what any of these scenes mean as far as plotting. To me, they they are skits, and the, it, you're going to be entertained if you find them funny. Yeah, when it drove home for me is when I left the theater the first time, and I was like, Weasel just disappears in this movie. <laughs> There's just like the scene. When he goes to fight for Vanessa, we never see Weasel again, and that's like... The moment we have Vanessa back, Weasel's gone. He is like the male stand-in for Vanessa, which, as you said, Jacob, Deadpool's probably perfectly fine with that being pansexual. But it's unfortunate that the only character who matters is Wade Wilson Deadpool. Even Vanessa, as much as I like her character and as much as I like that in that short time... They show that she can go toe-to-toe with Wade and with the quips and the sex. She's a MacGuffin. She's an object of desire with no real wants or any plot of her own. The only character that's three-dimensional, Deadpool. And that's a problem. And I wouldn't call him three-dimensional. Omnipresent is what he is. And let's talk about him as a character because I was thinking a lot about past movies that I have not recommended because they featured characters like this. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, one of my most infamous knocks. I knew you'd bring that one up. (laughs) What was my problem with that? You have a character who's a self-satisfied smuck. And I do feel like God, there are just so many that people love that I just have the antidote to. Like Kevin Smith, Will Smith. Uh, There's just, there seems to be a love for infantile guys that get away with slacking through life. And I wonder why is it that people can love that so much? And for me, at best, it leaves me cold or I enjoy only in small doses. And as a whole movie, I'm wondering, how is this a movie? I mean, but what would you expect from a Deadpool, you, someone that doesn't know anything about the comic? What were you expecting going in? Not much. I mean, that that's what all the trailers said was juvenile adult. 
Well, again, I haven't watched a lot of trailers. I what did I expect? I expected to get through it, and I actually found myself <laughs> feeling like it was working as a comedy better than I anticipated. So, well, that's a good sign. On that note, yeah, better than expected. But I also felt like as a superhero movie, anybody would want a good villain or a plot that the hero accomplishes. And that definitely, we can all agree, is lacking in this movie. Well, yeah, they take Vanessa to maybe an aircraft carrier junkyard. Not sure. Was it a helicarrier that they stole from Sam Jackson <laughs> left over yeah. after Civil Dude, War? They, they don't have that kind of budget. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like Vanessa's locked in that same tank that disfigured Deadpool. Deadpool goes... Gets all his guns, forgets him with the taxi driver again, has Negasonic and Colossus with them, and they fight some guys. There's a lot of repeating jokes, too. I mean, that was one thing. Yeah, he forgets something again. He keeps calling her Sinead. He keeps calling that one dude, you know, Jared or making child molestation oh, jokes. Oh, Jared! I feel like... It's a subway joke. I just got it. You just got it. it? You just got that? I thought that might be his real name. <laughs> No, he's, again, making his umpteenth child molestation joke about that guy. I felt like comedy's better when you only use it once or twice. I actually consider it callbacks, which makes it even funnier. That he keeps forgetting the bag and that he keeps making fun of the baldness. This, to me, works. It's like... I like stand-up comedy, and one of the things I like best of the stand-up comic is when they have a routine, and then they move to another routine, and the punchline of the second routine is a callback to the first routine, and that's what I consider this as. The pacing of the movie is off. The pacing of the humor is spot on. See, I, I feel like this peaked during the freeway bridge scene. When we get here, like at one point, Deadpool's mm -hmm. talking to one of Ajax's henchmen, like he knows him. I... I Totally, I don't understand that. It was Bob. Was that Hydra Bob? And I think it was supposed to be Hydra Bob from the comic, but it was Bob with whom he was a special agent. So he fought with them sometime in the past. They were in Jacksonville at the TGI Fridays. Okay, yeah. See, some of the stuff I just didn't get, and I'm like, why are you spending so much time on a character that you're just introducing? Yeah, no, it was set up. I mean, I remember the Jacksonville bit, but again, I mean... Arnie, I get the idea of using callbacks is good, but sparingly. I, I feel like the jokes have run out by the end of this movie. I do feel, like Jacob said, this movie peaked around the 40-minute mark, and now it's just a juggling act by Ryan Reynolds. No, no, the, the movie peaked at probably about the 65-minute mark with the best Stanley cameo in movie history. I was shocked, Stanley. Like, that actually did catch me by surprise. I wasn't thinking of Stanley as I was watching this film. Usually, you're th we're thinking about that because we got to talk about when Stanley appears. I did not expect him to be in Deadpool. I did not expect him to be a strip club strip DJ <laughs> that actually says things a strip club DJ says. Like, let's bring chastity on up. You can't buy love, but you can rent it for three minutes. I've heard these things in clubs. Not that I would frequent such establishments, <laughs> but I love seeing him as a all-in DJ. But I'll agree, when the time comes for rote cinematic final battle, I loved that Deadpool spelled out Francis with the bodies, because the big running joke is Ajax's real name is Francis, and he hates it, so he stole his name from a cleaning product. And I liked the fights, but yeah, you're running out of steam. Fights? The, you mean the two fights? There have barely been fights in this movie. 
Well, I'm talking about all the fights where... Yeah, you get Angel versus Colossus and Negasonic blowing stuff up, so I guess Deadpool could jump up high. And Negasonic also saving Colossus from being garroted by Angel Dust. But all these goons, they have an inventive way for Deadpool to kill. He never does the same thing twice. I'm having fun with it. But yeah, it's starting to get a little bit old with this final fight. I often find that with comic book movies, including Age of Ultron, where sometimes the final fight just becomes, okay, it's time for shit to blow up and for me to just sit back and start to feel hungover. And that happens here too. Yes, it does peak at that point. It's not to say there aren't still funny jokes, like when he starts playing Careless Whisper on his iPhone, but it is lesser in the final half hour. Are the jokes you're laughing at R-rated? Is this movie better by being R-rated? The jokes I laughed hardest at would not be in a PG-13 film. Okay. I agree. That was my question, was how R is this movie? I Honestly, I guess I didn't feel like it was that extreme. when I There was real nudity in a strip club, which it would never happen in a PG-13 film. The body sex jokes would never happen. Uh, my on switch is next to my prostate. Am I kidding? You know, that all tons of sex jokes that would just cumulatively never get past the stodgy MPAA as a PG-13 flick. Yeah, I guess that's true. But not on the level of violence and not really on any other content. No, I think there was gore here that you you would not get in a PG-13 film. When you have little brain matter, you have that guy drop down from the freeway sign. That, that's not stuff you're going to show in PG-13. You can't have blood. You can have people get shot in the head, just no blood. I think you could have gotten away with absolutely everything you saw if you CGI'd out the giblets and made the blood look blacker. I think that violence, you can do almost anything in a PG-13 film with violence, but you can't say fuck more than once, you can't talk too dirty, you can't show nipples anymore. You could in the 80s, not now. You know, I was just trying, there's not a lot of them, so I didn't have a lot of reference, but my only one was, well, there's Watchmen, which we'll be reviewing in a few weeks, and there was Kick-Ass. And to me, Kick-Ass felt like it kicked more ass. It felt like there was more intensity to everything. Punisher Warzone had the violence, though. That really ramped up the R-rated violence in a way that made it more enjoyable in certain regards than John Travolta's Punisher. Oh, God, the Punisher movies. Man, I repressed all of those. <laughs> That's right, there were three. How could I forget? Yes, 13. There was also Blade. That was R-rated? Yeah, all the Blade films yeah. are R-rated. Some motherfuckers always try to skate uphill. <laughs> yeah. R-rated. You're not going to hear that in PG-13. Wow. <laughs> well, that definitely didn't feel intense, but I don't feel like this is the most extreme comic book movie I've ever seen. I'll leave it at that. It's, it is no kick-ass. Was Kingsman R-rated? Yeah, I don't consider that a superhero movie. I definitely was surprised by some of the stuff here. A lot of it is shock humor. I'm not sure how much rewatchability this movie has when I buy the four different copies I'm going to get on Blu-ray. <laughs> Steelbook, lenticular cover, normal. Target yeah. always has an exclusive making of. Do they still release DVDs? I feel like that's... Yes, they do. That's amazing. Boy, well, Blu-rays, a... DVDs, you can sometimes get. <laughs> I mean, you you bring up Kick-Ass, though, and I, I, these are very similar films. Yes. Like irreverent superhero films. What Kick-Ass did, though, it ended up having some heart to it, yes. which was the surprise. Like, you actually feel about those characters here. 
this is a stand-up routine and you're either going to go with that routine or you're not. This this is a rock concert. The, the next morning, your ears may be ringing. I don't know how much you're going to remember of what you saw, though. Like, it's a very different type of irreverent superhero film. But I'm still surprised by how much I was wrapped up in will Vanessa live? And if she lives, will she accept Wade? I, I wasn't even proud of myself in the theater on the first watching for caring as much as I did. But I was really worried that they would kill her. I wanted him to find the happiness. I didn't want him to be tortured Deadpool. Arnie, I will say this now. This film ends. I turn to my wife to see what she thinks, and she is in tears. She is crying. I'm like, like, what's wrong? Did I just ruin Valentine's Day by making her watch this? (laughs) She's like... She accepted him even though he was ugly. Like yes, she loved that. Yes. Like she was totally into this ro- this irreverent romance story because this is her kind of humor. Like we like that the potty mouse and the the d- dirty sex jokes. So like these two coming together and like she totally accepted. She was in tears. Like it was the most romantic thing I could have shown her on Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't that far, but I I was pretty close there. Truthfully, huh? Okay. I, I never, it never occurred to me that they would hurt her. And if they did, it would only be so that she could be superhero in the next movie. I mean, which they may do. I, they, they could say that that two minutes in the tube was enough to make her be whatever you say her character is going to copycat or whatever that is. I don't, I don't think that they injected her with the super soldier serum. They were just trying to torture her to hurt Wade. But I also feel like in these movies, the women are ultimately disposable. Every superhero movie has the girlfriend of the moment. Even Kick-Ass lost his girl by part two. So I was really happy to see them reunite. And I feel like now they've made it where she has to be a part of the second one. And hopefully as more than a damsel in distress. I Hopefully we get more of their great banter. I don't know if you can one-up the 365 days of sex with that uh, song that they went with too, with the holidays. I'm sure it can be done. So Jacob Stewart... Do you recommend Deadpool, Jacob? Well, Arnie, I I think like you, I may have four or five copies of this in my future. Not because of me, though. Like, again, my wife's like, this is my favorite Marvel movie. She hasn't seen all of them, but the few she's seen, like, she's like, this is the best one. She's like, I actually want to own this. She never wants to own a movie. So that's saying something like someone from totally from the outside who had no idea what a Deadpool was. Before seeing this, I think I showed her a couple of the trailers and she's like, oh, that looks kind of funny. But she was wowed over by it. Me, I chuckled. There was a couple of laugh out loud moments for me. It worked as a comedy. Again, I feel like, yeah, it's Guardians of the Galaxy where I recommended that. I enjoyed it at moments. I don't know how much more I need of that. Maybe if they could develop this character more and actually have a story, because I don't know if they have enough jokes. I don't know if Ryan Reynolds has enough sarcastic quips to carry a whole second movie on that alone. But for this first film, you know, the action scenes, pretty good. I I enjoyed having a couple of the X-Men come in and and be fodder for jokes. And yeah, the the humor mostly works. I, I laughed during this. So that's a recommend. Stewart. I'm on nails, by the way. I got, I, I got nails. Know. Look, nobody cares what I think about this. I mean, honestly, nobody cares. They, I, I've not recommended too many superhero movies for it to matter. I, I always hope. Like, I hope Vanessa doesn't <laughs> die. I always hope that you will like this movie. Uh, well, how about if I don't hate it? It is not Yakov Smirnoff opening for the Spin Doctors at the Iowa State Fair. It is the best that I've seen Ryan Reynolds do. It is better than Green Lantern. It's better than Blade Trinity. Do you see why I like Ryan Reynolds now? I see his appeal. 
And I think this movie demonstrates this appeal. The problem is the rest of the movie lets him down. And that's really why I can't recommend this movie, is that if you looked at this not as, you know, just a Ryan Reynolds stand-up routine, it's kind of a crummy superhero movie. And it's not just that there's no meat to the story. There's no lettuce. There's no bun. There's no... It's just (laughs) drinking condiments. It's like seriously like just downing a bottle of ketchup. And I get some people love ketchup. I like ketchup. But I just, am I wrong for wanting more out of this story? I don't think I'm not. I mean, I'm not hating on this movie. I'm sure that people are going to be mad that I give this a red arrow. But I think Deadpool can do better. And I think he will. I think with more money and more confidence and the need to go bigger, I think we will have a movie I can endorse next time. But for this one, it's just not enough there, there. Not enough Golden Girls for you. No, too much Golden Girls. So yes, on Betty White's Golden Girls scale, you'd probably (laughs) only give this, what, a B. Arthur? (laughs) <laughs> it depends on who the worst one is. I, I was uh, thinking B. Arthur. Uh, Estelle Getty was always my least favorite. Yeah, Estelle Getty got funny lines, though. B. Arthur was just unpleasant. Well, see, maybe this is the problem. I didn't want the, the filthy old lady. So, uh, you know, that's... Well, it's not a Blanche. <laughs> I'm, of course, recommending this movie. I was hyped for it. I was scared I was too hyped for it. Hype for a movie can mean let down. I was scared I've seen all the funny parts in the trailer. I hadn't. If you're scared, well, now that I've listened to this podcast, I've heard all the funny parts. You haven't. We had a pregame talk. We're not just going to sit here and recite the funny jokes because I'd read you the script. I found myself smiling and laughing throughout this whole film. And I saw something I've never seen before. I've seen several movies in New York at this point. But at the end of this movie, they were playing Shoop again, right? And this gawky guy who was probably 22 years old got up and was dancing and smacking the ass of some invisible person in front of him. And just like he was at a concert, like Salt and Peppa was playing in front of him live. That's how much of a good time he had. I laughed and smiled the whole way through this movie. That's a recommend. Does the story have flaws? Yeah. This movie does not exist for story. If this was here to be a drama, it would be a complete failure in that regard. But because of Ryan Reynolds' sheer charisma, I don't think I have seen a movie so owned by its star and that star's sense of humor since the first Iron Man. Reynolds is to Deadpool what Downey is to Iron Man. And I would put this film up there with that. Iron Man didn't have a great villain either, by the way. Well, these are Marvel films. None of them do. Yeah, but it had a good story. That's crazy to me. You can't be saying that it's as good a movie. It's not as good a movie. That's like factual. We, we can, we can, <laughs> we can break down the elements. We can drop both in some kind of acid and you will see there is less to Deadpool than Iron Man. All that Deadpool has is Ryan Reynolds. Iron Man had a lot more than Robert Downey Jr. But I think both have a lot in common. I mean, both are career resurrections for their stars. Both are basically the stars seemingly playing themselves is superhero roles. Both are origin stories with bad villains. I've already said that because this is only jokes, on repeat viewings, it becomes less fun. 
You see my point. I, I can't argue a single okay. thing you've said. All right. I, that's all I need to... I know no one's going to agree with me. I just want to be heard. There is no movie there. It's just <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Oh, and there's a movie there. There is a movie there. But there are underdeveloped characters. If your name is not Rhyme with Brian Benolds, you are underdeveloped. Yep. And even if you're Brian Reynolds, you're about as developed as Deadpool's little mini hand after he cuts it off. <laughs> I think he gets the full story. I follow him on an emotional journey from Merc with the Heart of Gold to actually his character journey is to become more homicidal and more just irreverently fun. And that's what this movie is, is fun. When I pick up a comic book, yes, sometimes I will find great characterizations. I'll read some great stories like written by Alan Moore, Chris Claremont to go to the X-Men ones. There are tremendous stories there, but a lot of times I'll pick up a comic book just because I want to read a fun story with a kick-ass superhero. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be steak dinners. You could have some cotton candy. Yeah, we're back to the food metaphor I haven't used in a long time. But yeah, this was a tasty burger. This was a big kahuna burger. It wasn't this is a, a burger. It was ketchup. <laughs> it was a burger. You just are, There's no burger. There's no meat there. You've never taken me for a burger in, New, in L.A. You always take me on these food experiences. That's what you're used to. You take me to a place where you eat brains and tongue. And so you don't even recognize what a burger looks like anymore. L.A. is the capital of hamburgers. I have had more hamburgers here than anywhere in the world. And you, Deadpool, are no hamburger. <laughs> Strong recommend for Deadpool because I had such a great time even though I realize if we are to go scientific and put it in an acid test, it's probably just a regular recommend. But I had fun like this, like I had fun at a rock concert. And the humor, it's aimed at me. The Ferris Bueller post-credits teaser could <laughs> yes. not have had me more happy. And to just end with the note he ends on, which I will not say, but literally a note. It's like this movie, it's like it's laser targeted to hit Arnie's sweet spot. And it did. Well, it was funny because my we're waiting for that post credit scene because it's a Marvel film. My wife's like, they're going to do like the Ferris Bueller thing. And that's what they ended up doing. What, what sets me apart, I guess, I'm just not the comic person I used to be when he's like, yeah, and the next one, we don't have money to show a trailer, but we're going to have cable in it. And like people cheered over that. Like you don't even have to have a visual anymore in these comic book films to get fans to cheer. You just say, oh, this character is going to be in the next one. And people start going crazy. That I, I just, that I am out of touch with at this point. It's kind of weird to me. I mean, I understand that Deadpool and Cable, they both were together in X-Force or they have this history. They've had comics together. To me, Cable feels like a more serious character that needs Yay! to be in the real X-Men universe. <laughs> Stuart's excited already. That's what this needs. Some bun. Maybe not me, but some buns at least. We had buns. There were plenty of Ryan Reynolds buns. <laughs> and I think if you freeze frame the firefight. There's a Frankfurter. There's some Wang too. <laughs> you know what I meant. Yeah, something to hold this together. <laughs> something to keep him in line and give his story more shaping. Yeah, but do you want Cyclops' son from the future? I don't know what Cable is. I'm, I know I'm going to find out. I know there's going to be a sequel. You don't make this much money and not do another one. It's just a matter of how fast, right? Are we going to get it next week or maybe in two months? <laughs> well, the, there has been talk before this movie ever came out, not only of Deadpool 2, but of X-Force the movie. They've already started having some concept art drawn up. 
I would think I would be up for them doing basically a DC. You've had your Deadpool movie. If you're going to bring in Cable, make the next one an X-Force movie. Now, how can Deadpool possibly interact with a group of more serious heroes? I'd love to find out. And then go back and give Deadpool his second solo film. If you're going to bring in Cable, I'd like to see them do it in an X-Force kind of way. But I say three years we'll be talking about it again. They just weren't prepared for the success they had to the point of being ready to go in two. Uh, that seems like a long time. Yeah, I think they could whip that out much faster, but let's see how Apocalypse does. I mean, will Ryan Reynolds be making an appearance in there? It's possible, right? Again, I cannot imagine it. I've not heard anything about it, but Fox did release this very funny photo of their X-Men, which had the Apocalypse cast with Ryan Reynolds and Channing Tatum. I'm like, Channing, are you really thinking you're Gambit? Is that ever really happening? <laughs> it's not happening this year. That's for fucking sure. Yeah, supposedly that was scheduled for the fall, but I, I think they've, they're, I don't know when they're, they're planning to release everything. Everything kind of got thrown off course when Fantastic Four torpedoed last summer. But this is kind of not only a comeback for Ryan Reynolds, you got to say, hey, this is pretty good for Fox too. That they bet on an R-rated movie and that they are going to do this makes you glad they're not going to give the property back to Marvel, right? I've always felt, despite how I think Marvel has done well with their characters, there needs to be variety. And yeah. yes, there needs to be R-rated Punisher films. There needs to be R-rated Deadpool films. Yeah. Marvel's pushed the boundary on Netflix. They've gone hard PG-13 with R-rated violence, but PG-rated language. I mean, and you look at Jessica Jones, I don't know if you watched that, but that's very mature, the themes going on there with physical abuse and emotional abuse. Like, they were able to delve deeper than Disney, I think, would ever dare in a full-featured film. And it it's telling that the TV arm of Marvel is not under Kevin Feige and this Disney folk. It's its own branch. So I like having variety, even if it is all the Marvel universe. So I would say, yeah, let Fox do what they can. I'd love ideally to be something like Sony, where they can kind of, you know, hang out at the same corner, but also go back home after. Do you think we'd ever get to a place where, okay, they're going to let Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds go be in Avengers 5? Well, Hugh Jackman's quitting after Wolverine 3, so no. Well, so he says. But the, <laughs> the, the digitized whatever version of him that they're going to create in a computer. Or they back up the money truck. Hey, they made it happen with Spider-Man. I just came back from New York Toy Fair where I was told by several licensees, Marvel still tells them they cannot make any characters owned by Fox. But Sony's okay? <laughs> well, yes. Spider-Man's in Civil War. They've made yeah. peace. But Fox is still persona non grata. They want their X-Men back is what this is. They want to torpedo any competition for movies. They, they want to be the only superhero movies on the block. And so they're not going to support Fox's X-Men films. Would that change? Well, the fact that there has been a lot came out from the hacked Sony email thing that says it's possible fences could be mended. So never say never. But right now, I'm happy there's a studio that's still willing to take this Marvel character and say, nah, he should go risque. He should go nude. 
Yeah, I don't think they'd have the box office if they had watered this down. I'm sure if he was shooting lasers out of his eyes and making PG-13 <laughs> jokes, we would not have $150 million in the bank right now to, to talk about. I mean, it just would not be the phenomenon. It is that it's Ryan Reynolds being R-rated as people like him. And I've got to say, I am heartened. Even if this movie didn't get the three recommends, I felt it deserved. That... You're actually looking forward to the sequel, Stuart. Eh, did I say that? You see? I'm saying it could get better. I, I don't know that I'm ever looking forward to something that I read Arrow a sequel to, but I could see it being a movie that I would green Arrow if, if they decide to bring other elements to the party, ones that are as potent as their star. Well, with that... We are done with Marvel for a few more weeks. Civil War is on the way. It's coming ever closer. But now we're going to get back to DC. Heroes proper. Oof, if you, if you thought Deadpool was bad, Stuart. <laughs> I didn't say it was bad, by the way. You did. Red Arrow is bad. And I said that I like variety. Yeah, how about a variety show, Legends of the Superheroes? <laughs> when I said I like variety, I don't know that I meant an actual variety show. Ghetto Man, yeah. It's <laughs> but that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get some real variety next week. I really think for that, it should have been Ed McMahon, like Superman, Ghetto Man, <laughs> Ed McMahon. Your, your jokes are already higher quality than the ones we'll be talking about next week. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I am very fearful that it could rank among the very worst superhero things I've watched. And that's really a low bar. I mean, Adam West is back, though, and Burt Ward. I haven't seen it since it aired on TV in the 70s, and I remember being more interested in my toys instead of the TV. But yes, we are going to be watching Batman, Robin, Shazam, Hawkman with the Justice League. Yeah, Christopher Reeve and Linda Carter are absolutely... <laughs> yes. Yeah. They had real careers going at the time. Legends of the Superheroes kicks off our DC Teams retrospective which is going to also involve Watchmen. We never forgot. We had our eye on Watchmen the whole time. Yeah, we've got this, we have this team theme going. We're going to have a Justice League of America TV pilot. We're going to have the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Something called Gen 13, which yeah, is not I, Generation X. No, it's some cartoon. I've never seen that. I didn't even know it existed until I saw the schedule. Arnie swears it was in a theater in Italy, <laughs> so here it comes. Did I? I know nothing about Gen 13. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about the comics, but I didn't know there was an animated film. <laughs> so we're going to be getting all to that as our lead up to our official DC Cinematic Universe retrospective series. It started with Man of Steel and now Batman... V, is it V? Is it versus Superman? I, I've been saying V. Batman <laughs> V Superman, Dawn of Justice. And Wonder Woman and Aquaman and I think Cyborg, <laughs> Dawn of Justice. I heard that it's good. It looks like a train wreck that I want to see. I want to see the carnage. I can't wait for Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. There will definitely be things to talk about. So we will be getting to that next week. And in the meantime, if you want to hear or read us review 125 more movies there are some superhero movies in there as well as dramas comedies musicals mysteries you name the genre i think we got one in there horror comedies they are all in the first now playing book underrated movies we recommend it is up for pre-order now at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book so Stuart jacob thank you for joining me and we'll talk to you next week, bub. Bye.
Today's attack was only our first salvo. Our war will rage. Your cities will not be safe. Your streets will not be safe. You will not be safe. And to my fellow mutants, I make you this offer. Join us or stay out of our way. Thank you for listening to the now-playing X-Men Movie Retrospective Series. We are the future, Charles, not them. They no longer matter. Part of our Marvel Comics movie series. Told you if you came down this road, you wouldn't like what you found. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another movie review. The professor trusted you were smart enough to discover this on your own. He gives you more credit than I do. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics films, such as the Avengers films, Spider-Man movies, and many more, as well as reviews of other series, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, Philip K. Dick, and Tron. We also have individual movie reviews, such as Avatar, Inception, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com. This is also crazy-sounding. You said the same thing about my other ideas four years ago, but everything I said I could do, I've done. And now you're a chitting millionaire. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Marvel movie films with other listeners. Show's over. Show's never over for us. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Oh no, finish your tweet. There you go, hashtag it. Links to our social media pages are found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Do I look like a man who exaggerates? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, NowPlayingPodcast.com. Don't you have any decency? Where's your sense of gratitude? Do you think I have needs? I think I'm just here to be your dream grid guru? I want out of here! I want to hit the big time! You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. I'd say that you sound like an infomercial, but not a good one, like Slap Chop, more Shake Weighty. Now Playing's X-Men Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. They say you're the bad guy. Is that what they say? Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or 20th Century Fox. The Marvel characters and all the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated, and no infringement is intended. Oh, you get the point! The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Apparently we have some issues with authority. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved. Class dismissed. Did we just lose the feed? Are we still live? Even Lilares Morissette wasn't returning his phone call. Oh, she's too busy with Dave Coulier, I guess. <laughs> Cut it out. He does have Fuller, Fuller House. House coming out. <laughs> yeah. Rising star. Tim, oh, I keep blanking on this director's name because he doesn't Miller, ever work. Because he's done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't care, give a F. I can say fuck, right? Yeah. Yes. An R-rated. With 47 concer- concerned kills. But interference from X-Man Colossus, 
voiced by Stefan Kapikik. Did I spell that right? Kapikik? Uh, I have Stefan Kapisik. I don't know how you, yeah, Kapisik. Yeah, Kapisik. I don't know. I I had it down in my head beforehand. That's C A P I C I C. Yeah, Kapisik. Played by Stefan Kapikik. <laughs> Stefan Kapisik. You know, I had the chance to interview this guy, and now I wish I had, just so I knew how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I was just going with LaSalle. Do the guy that did the, like, facial expressions. <laughs> There's, like, three people that play this part. X-Men Colossus. I'm just not going to say the name, and now where's my notes? <laughs> and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, the Teenage X-Man. A Teenage X-Woman. A Teenage X-Man. A Teenage woman. Mutant on the X-Men team. <laughs> a Teenage X-Man woman. I did see this movie twice in New York. Best city on earth. I went to the theaters twice <laughs> to see Deadpool. Yeah, nothing else to see in New York. Yeah, nothing at all. I also did see Misery with Bruce Willis. We'll talk about that on a Books and Nachos someday. <laughs> I'm a Ryan Reynolds fan. I've stated that on this podcast, much to derision, and it is sometimes... You've seen The Return of Taj, yes. I was sick. I had pneumonia, Okay. <laughs> Okay, all right. I'll give it to you. But stage four. 